Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hello, everyone. Today, we are discussing the 1990 adventure superhero film. It's basically a superhero film, Darkman. Uh, brought to us by the amazing Sam Raimi. Uh, it's, oh, yeah. This was only his... Um, Fourth major film. He did an amateur film just before Evil Dead. But prior to this, he had done Evil Dead, Crime Wave, Evil Dead 2. And then he came along with with this, which you got to know got made because everybody was looking to capitalize on the success of uh, Batman. Right. Uh, Michael Starr, Michael Keaton, and... uh, Directed by uh, Tim Burton, right? And this does actually it does have that good dark tone to it. It does, as well as that almost this could it feels like it could exist in like that that timeless cityscape where this could have been taking place in the nineteen thirties, nineteen eighties, or the nineties, right? Like. Um... We had discussed before, I guess for years and years, I thought this was a comic book movie. Like, I just assumed that Darkman was some, like, you know, Dark Horse comic or something maybe from some, like, brand I didn't know of. And what certainly didn't help was that um, there was at least a comic um, adaptation. But was there actually a comic series? Uh, Later on, Marvel tried to, to, did, they adapted the comic when the movie came out. And in 93, they did a six-issue miniseries, and more recently, Dynamite published a Dark Man versus Army of Darkness miniseries. Okay, sounds kind of nifty, but yeah. Um, anyway, like for years, I just assumed that this was like a comic adaptation. Well, um, much because much it's like made RoboCop, very much like one. Much like RoboCop, this is a comic book movie that isn't based on any existing comic book. Right. It's an original creation, right? Um, uh, yeah, what like um, uh, we saw this on HBO, I believe. I think we rented it. Did we rent it? I'm okay. pretty sure I rented it on uh, VHS because that's really where this movie found its audience. I mean, it didn't do mm. badly in theaters. It just it didn't you know do blockbuster status. But once it hit home video, it really did well. And that's why it was years later that Marvel, you know, Marvel did the miniseries in 93. And in 95, Universal did two direct-to-video sequels because they realized, hey, there's people interested in this movie. There are fans of this movie. Now that it's on home video, it's 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 scoring well in the... Um, VHS rental, so we need to capitalize on this. Now, you would have seen this for the first time. Uh, I'm sorry, you and I would have seen this for the first time at the same time, right? At least that's how I recall it. Yeah, I did not see this in theaters. Ironically, it, it hit theaters on August 24th of 1990, which would have been my yeah. 17th birthday. So, oh, right. And right. I remember being interested in it because, I mean, Sam Raimi and they they always said of the Evil Dead fame because he hadn't quite made his his name big outside the Evil Dead audience. Oh, again, he hadn't directed 
all that much right. anyways. But th- there's just something very captivating about the look and the feel and the tone of even the trailer. I was interested in seeing it. Yeah. Um, the ev- Exactly. Everything about this movie in the way that it's um, shot, especially it's um, and like that. Yeah. Right. The tone that it uses, like it hits an excellent sort of um, pulp angle. It's very, it's very, very good stuff. Um, uh, just the right amount of humor l- l- levied in it. And this was like, I don't think I really knew who Sam Raimi was or certainly Liam Neeson at this point, but um, let's talk about him for a moment because this would have only been, I, I forgot to look, but I think it's only like his uh, fourth or fifth role. Um, and for me, uh, the movie that I will probably remember him and associate with him um, the most. Yeah, I, I think he'd done plenty of movies before this, but it was his first lead role, I believe. Hmm. And even then, it wouldn't be li- until a few years later when he did Schindler's List right. that he would really become, you know, more of a oh, household right. name. And then even later after that, when he did Taken, Take that again. he would become a bona fide movie star. You know, Almost replacing Harrison Ford as the thinking man's action hero, as people used to call Harrison Ford. For sure. Yep. Uh, this this movie, like we said, it's it's definitely a superhero movie, but I think it even fits more in the, uh, like you said, pulp. Mm-hmm. You know, predating superhero comics. This, he could yeah. easily have been, you know, on the magazine stand up there with like the shadow magazines and spider master of men and right the avenger he actually i would say he's actually a combination of the shadow the avenger and the spider and i guess originally sam raimi had wanted to do a shadow movie but he couldn't secure the rights for it so okay much like George Lucas not being able to secure the rights to Flash Gordon, he own thing. Right, because I agree with you. Like the comic tone that it takes here, it's it's pretty dark. But um, right, the comic overtones feel a bit more like uh, Golden Age, I guess. And there's a you know a, a campy tongue in cheek humor to it that Sam Raimi brings to a lot of his his uh, features. Right, if you go there to yeah. When you see a Sam Raimi movie, that's you know, that's what you want to see is a twist on something. So for those uninitiated, Dark Man, starring Liam Neeson, Francis McDermott, and uh, Larry Drake as the villain, Mister Durant, tells the tale of a scientist who was trying to create synthetic synthetic skin tissue to replace you know damaged skin tissue for burn victims and he creates a you know polymer that that does imitate skin fairly well but he finds out that after 99 minutes it will break down in light it is you know the the cells are photosensitive well his girlfriend played by Francis McDermott is a lawyer and She's working for a, she's not a councilman, but he's like, he obviously owns a large real estate and 
construction company and he's trying to buy up all these waterfront properties so he can, you know, build a new city and, you know, make his new empire. And he unfortunately, for some reason, he decides that he needs to make a memo about all the bribes he's giving to city councilmen. Yeah. He decides, like, well, let's circulate a memo about the bribes. <laughs> and not keep it, you know, print and then print it. <laughs> yeah. Not only does he have that piece of paper lying around, he doesn't, he has, he does not keep track of it because it ends nope. up in Julie's hands and she ends up leaving it at, you know, Liam Neeson's laboratory. So that when the guy sends his thugs, and you know what, it, it it occurs to me, we weren't ever supposed to know that the the uh, Christopher Friel, I forget the character's name, was the lead bad guy. But you know what, I just know even for the first time I watched it, I just assumed he was. Yes, it's supposed uh, to be here. a reveal later on that he's really the bad guy. He's just got the look of definite '90s bad guy, <laughs> you know. Yes, uh, so and plus he, the way he acts through the whole way is just like, oh, he's obviously a bad guy. Like right. exactly, I'm with you. Like it didn't seem like a reveal to me that. Right. So he sends, you know, Durant and his thugs after the memorandum, and they murder Liam Neeson's assistant, torture him, blow up the lab, seemingly killing him, and you know. Thus is the origin of Darkman. So when Julie arrives at the laboratory and the, the big explosion happens and his body is sent turtling out into the yes. river, that is such a comic book panel. For the, real, yeah. The, yeah, the, totally. the body superimposed, flaming body in the explosion. You so, could open. You could almost see like the action lines behind him and yes. like him screaming, like the IE screaming across the page. Totally. And then it shows Julie standing there and mixed it. And it's just this fantastic transition yes. of the, the, the screen morphing into her. She, she morphs from what she's wearing into a funeral gown and the scenery changes to the cemetery. It's a really fantastic transition. You know, you hear the grave digger talking about all they found was a bit of his ear. It didn't take him mm. long to bury that. And of course, we know the reason why is because his body was thrown clear and cut to a hospital where actress Jenny Agater is playing a doctor who is now explaining to a bunch of interns that they found this burnt charged corpse. Well, not corpse, burnt charred homeless man they assume he's a homeless man and they decided to let's experiment the hell out of this guy right right and they talk about how they had to sever all his you know his nervous system so he can no longer feel pain but this allows yeah you know it explains like why he's not in pain and how adrenaline will run unchecked to his body basically giving him super strength and she's explaining all these things while we see Liam Neeson wrapped up like a mummy on this thing that's like spinning for okay. some reason. Yeah. Like, it's like if you've ever seen, you know, one of those knife throwing acts where yes. the person has his assistant 
on the board kind of spinning around. That's I None of the interns seem to question that. And and one of them is spinning the other way kind of like um uh like they're spinning yeah. forward as opposed to the side then there's no I'm I'm guessing it has something to do with some sort of circulation. It's um strange. but they never they they don't really mention it and that's that's one of the things I really dig about this movie is they throw a lot of stuff at you like a comic book might and just figure like it's very much got the attitude especially like the early comic book attitude of like, if we just throw enough stuff at them, it just won't matter. Like, it'll just feel like it should work. And um, Jenny Agner is my uh, Whit Bissell uh, award winner because she has to pull off the entire exposition of why dark man is dark man. And she does it really well. Um, you know, you just roll with it. It's it's there's also so much stuff going on in, in, in the background that really helps too. Like, but she, she helps pull off a pretty silly scene. You you almost wonder if she was meant to have somewhat of a bigger part. Mm. Well, um, well, I guess we'll get into a little bit of it later. But like, yeah, you 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 do feel like she would have shown up again for some reason, uh, be, you know, before somewhere in the third act. Um, and I don't know if she does, or at least her character does in the sequence. No, I don't think she's ever heard from again. Oh, okay. Because immediately after she completes her presentation and they walk out of the room, he comes to, breaks away from, escapes out the window into the night so that he can become Dark Man, donning a battered fedora and an overcoat that really just, again, it's a really cool look. Yeah. You know, this movie is basically Phantom of the Opera meets Batman. Yes. And he's able to get his lab equipment salvaged and move into an abandoned factory and continue his experiments, hoping that he can replace his now burned. <laughs> because let's face it, this guy looks worse than Freddy Krueger. And this is one of my favorite things about the movie, about the way this movie is done and the way this movie is shot is that uh, the montage, I love the montage, where it's literally just uh, beakers, science, science, more science. And now he's done. It's, I love it. Sam Raimi does great montages. He really does. He really does. Like it's so on the nose that it's so and it fits so well. And it's like, okay, I get it. But now because of his his lab, he can make ultra realistic masks. Like he can replace his own face, make himself look like Liam Neeson again. But right. he can also make a mask of anybody he wants and thus that's how he starts to mount his revenge against Durant and his cronies by stalking them, taking photographs of them, and creating lifelike masks of them so he can impersonate them and inter infiltrate the organization. But well wait a minute though, Matt. Why is he called Dark Man though? Well, because as we've mentioned these skin masks will only last for That's right. 99 minutes in the light. Oh, sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't hear you mention. Um, and yes. in the darkest hour, there's a light that shines on every man. All but one. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good tag too. That's a pretty good tag. Like this, I, I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I guess I'm a little surprised it didn't become a successful comic, but um uh, uh, you know, it's it's again. I, I I I'm every time I watch it, it's just again. It feels like wow, this is as good as um, any comic adaptation could have been. I have to keep reminding myself that it technically isn't. 
Well, and this is just... Because it's got the right energy for it. It's like the perfect energy for it. Especially coming kind of off the heels of uh, Tim Burton's Batman. But this is also just steps away from being a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Because Darkman and the, the movie shows He's suitably man, scary. He's a good anti-hero. He, he's, not, he's going insane. Exactly. Actually, you that's know, one of the things that because... uh, the doctor mentions is that, um, yeah, they're not really sure what it's going to do to his mind to, to lose well, all of that sensory perception. It's basically but, like going into a permanent um, sensory depra- deprivation tank. Uh, but not only that, you would think being beaten, tortured, and blown up is going to mess right. with your mind as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, and having like 40% of your body melted off. He must have had some sort of brain damage, you know, right. in that explosion. And, and, you know, who knows how much water he took into his lungs when he, he, he you know. So there are many instances. And, and the the way. Uh, well, the way he kills films, his breakdowns with these, you know, again, these really crazy imagery of. Yes. You know, the scenery cracking behind him, you know, and, and him just being deranged because he's living all alone. He's kind of got this cat that's come somewhat of a companion, but the the man's going crazy. Right. It, and, and it's actually kind of reminiscent of um, of uh, Evil Dead, you know, and Evil Dead 2. Yes. As you know, as Ash feels, he's starting to slowly lose his mind. You know, you're getting a lot of that out of um, Liam Neeson in this performance, and it's fantastic. But you throughout the movie, he will, you know, and and yeah, as we said, anti-hero because mm-hmm. he's while... brutal. He's brutal. Now, granted, these people deserve it, but yes, yeah, you can tell though it's this is coming from a place of um, someone who's starting to lose their grip, if not lost it. Well, like, for instance, the first henchman he grabs and interrogates, the, the henchman tells him everything. He says, I told you what you wanted to know. And he's like, yes, you did. But now let's pretend that you didn't. Right. And then he shoves the guy's head up through a manhole and holds him there until he's crushed by a truck. And uh, as you had to remind me, sadly, that's Ted Raimi. I can't believe I didn't recognize him. Yes. Now, again, when it comes down to it, like a lot of the, um, he himself only directly kills a couple of the people. Most of his plan is turning the gang against itself so that, you know, they end up killing each other in, in many ways. Which I think is really a good aspect. Um, again, it's another really cool aspect about how this movie is played out like it's it, it it is you know it can be violent but it also um it, you know i i, I kind of like I, I like that aspect of like the uh of him playing the game gang against each other using his um face changing abilities and you know because I... it, it could have just been a straightforward like brawl fest because he's you know he's got the adrenaline he can't really he can't really be hurt like i i i, I, I liked that he retains like his cunning and intelligence um on top of, like I said, unfortunately, losing whatever grip of humanity he had left. Well, that and and you've got Larry Drake, who's playing an, an amazing villain. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, the gentleman villain, if you will. Yeah, he's awesome. Got, you know, his own little creepy, um, you know, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Affectation of, um, you know, he's got his little cigar yeah. cutter and he uses that to cut fingers off his victims, <laughs> which he then collects. Straight yeah. up, yeah, yeah. Um, um, he he would have played a good penguin. Yes, actually, you're right. He would have. Right. He, would have. Yeah. he uh, there's a couple of good Batman villains. I think he would have. Uh, oh, sure. Them. Yeah. Um, and all through this, we have, like we said, Francis McDermott, who plays his girlfriend Julie, who for a good portion of the well, really by the the beginning of the second act, she finds out he's still alive. Because he chooses right. to reveal himself to her <laughs> yeah. at his grave site. She goes to visit his grave and he's standing there in the cemetery, which, you know, it's, it's not a good way to say, I'm still alive at right. the cemetery. You're, you're going right. to, not only are you going to scare the hell out of the person, you're like, oh my God, it's his ghost. He's right. haunting the cemetery. Or a zombie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, she's understandably freaked out by it. But you know, there's there, you know, they they start seeing each other again, and you know, he's explaining that you know, oh, I can't st-, because he can only be out, you know, for about an hour and a half before the his face starts breaking down. So he keeps telling her like, no, 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 I'm, you know, my doctor says I know I still need to recover. I got to go back at the hospital. They, you know, he's making all these excuses, and you know, there's a scene at a carnival. Which, I know it's supposed to be dark, but also the way Sam Raimi films things, I think you are kind of supposed to laugh at the scene. Yes. Because. Yeah, I think so too. The way it plays out is it's disturbing. But, you know, he wins. He's at this carnival and he's playing the, the ball toss where you knock down the milk cans and. He wins the pink elephant, but the carny doesn't want to give it him up. He's saying, oh, you, you, you stepped across the line, which, to be fair, it seems like the carny's trying to rip him off, but you they don't show us whether he was, you know, across the line or not. Right. We didn't know there was a line until he mentioned it. Yes. He insists that he won fair and square, and the carny won't give him the pink elephant, and Julie's all like, it's not that big a deal, and of course, right. he's freaking out about it and the carney starts poking him in the chest and he grabs it like which was the wrong move yes he twists those fingers like they're made out of silly buddy yeah he's gonna bend it all the way back it's but the way it shows the carney screaming in pain julie screaming in terror and then liam neeson dark man screaming in rage it's just kind of comical Oh, I love it. Yeah, but it's supposed to be dark and disturbed because that now he's having a breakdown and he throws the guy across the thing, grabs the pink elephant, like take the pink elephant, Julie. Do you do you think it wasn't supposed to be comical? I, you know, it's hard to say. Because I, I mean, I I've always just another, taken it that way. I think another director would have probably played it more straight. Like. Uh, for sure, I, yeah. I, I wonder sure. if Sam Raimi wanted to induce a bit of comedy there just to kind of tone, because it's a really dark scene. Right. And maybe Sam Raimi felt, this is too dark. Like, I know the movie's Dark Man. I know maybe it's, it's I, I'll do it, film it this way to take some of the edge off. 
Right. Like that was that was the impression that I was getting, like, um, if only because like you can't have them go too far off the deep end yet, because I mean, who are you supposed to root for? <laughs> you know, like he can't right. go complete psycho right away. Right. They had to make the carney a jerk. They had to make the carney kind of assaultive so that he's not just beating up some, you know, regular guy. Right. But then, I mean, just not only is he freaking out, he lost track of time because his face starts to melt in front of her. And he goes running off to back to his factory, and she goes chasing off after him. And I don't know how far they run, but it seemed like they should have run far enough to at least be somewhat out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we're not sure how far they are, but wherever they, but, however far they were, they ran the entire way there, it seems. And and that's when, of course, Julie figures out, oh, my God, he is horribly scarred. And, you know, he's he's using his own invention to, to try to, you know, be normal. And she just calls out to him, you know, why didn't you why didn't you tell me? Um, at this point, you know, Julie's still having to deal with her boss, who she knows has circulated that memorandum that brought about this whole thing so when she goes to visit him she goes to see the boss and explain to him that you know as a lawyer as a as a legal representative and she knows about this illegal activity she has to report it and just her legal obligation although i don't know she's his client so i would think it would go under attorney client privilege i i don't I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it depends on the seriousness of the crime. I, I have no idea. I was I wasn't. I mean, that's that's what I was kind of wondering myself. But but either way, she goes yeah. to his office, and there again, he's left the memorandum lying around. The very <laughs> memorandum that was you like know, can't... she had found because it's got the distinctive coffee ring in it from where Peyton had put that. So she knows that he's a bad guy and sent those guys to kill her boyfriend. Like, dude, shred it. He, he knows he, well, he knows, he knows Durant's uh, a cigar smoker. Just be like, Oh yeah. By the way, Durant, when you recover said document, just like flame it (laughs) because then nothing else matters. Like, why does he need this? That's all you had to do, bro. (laughs) Just, just, yeah, just get rid of it. Why did he print this up in the first place? But why does he still need this thing? I mean, is he going to file it as part of his tax return? That's so. I mean, yeah, like maybe under bribes. Exactly. Maybe maybe he has to account for it, and that's a receipt. You know, maybe that's a receipt. Maybe it was about you know once he bribed these people, he was also going to blackmail, saying, "Remember, you took this bribe." So don't think about going back on it because I will ruin your prolific. But dude, stop leaving the incriminating evidence lying out in the open. <laughs> right. Maybe just don't maybe just don't leave it around. One trip to the shredding. And 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 the whole movie wouldn't happen. So now, of course, you know, he's gotta kidnap her. And, you know, there's the, the final assault on, you know, Darkman's, 
you know, abandoned factory headquarters, which is our big spectacular action sequence of the whole thing. And, you know, he's being shot at from a helicopter. He's got henchmen with machine guns chasing after him. Um, There was a deleted scene because we never see what happens to the henchmen with the wooden leg. Oh, that's a good point. Um, There was apparently a scene where Darkman kills him with his own wooden leg. Right, because of the the gun? But yeah, uh, it was removed for whatever reason. Maybe it didn't look right. Maybe they weren't able to finish the effects. But that explains why he's not in it anymore. But uh, my Whippersaw Award, one I should point out, is one of the henchmen, uh, the one who plays Smiley. The actor's name is Dan Bell. And Smiley is the henchman who had that distinctive cackling laugh, who would take the wooden leg and (laughs) manage to wipe out, you know, 100 people with the machine gun hidden in the leg. Which is an entirely inconvenient for the guy with the wooden leg and pointless thing because I mean go, dialing back or rewinding a bit to the beginning of the movie where they go in uh, Durant and his men and they're going in it's just like the four of them um, which if I remember oh well actually no you said you, you did say they picked up the guns never mind I forgot yes yeah. yeah yeah there's the sequence where they have their guns taken away but they end up with guns but yeah they picked them up off the dead henchmen of the guy they were battling. So, yeah, so Smiley is my whip. Because I thought he added something. I don't think he has any actual lines, but he has this very distinctive cackle as he's, you know, killing and being brutalizing. And also this really sinister, sardonic smile that's just incredibly creepy. So, Giving it to Dan Bell. The movie concludes on the, you know, top of this huge, you know, the the, the bad guy, like we said, he's trying to construct new buildings in the um, property he's acquired through Durant and his henchmen and funding and... um, city planning that he's you know bribed city planners for and we get this um final confrontation on top of the unfinished building up on the high steel this is a really cool final confrontation yes especially as comic book like you know pseudo superhero movies go it's it's especially gratifying because you don't often see the chief villain going mano imano against the hero Yes, especially in this way, yeah. They establish, you know, that before he rose to power, he worked the high steel, so he's very comfortable up there. They show him walking along, jumping from girder to girder, while everybody else is very nervous and, you know, kind of, you know, hanging on to everything. So you you get a very... And and he, he makes a point as he's battling Darkman to say to Julie, and I believe it's even in the trailer where he says to Julie, who's the real monster here? I destroy to create something better. He destroys for revenge. And it doesn't, 
excuse what he's doing, but it also does, you know, again, point out that, yeah, Darkman isn't really a hero here. No. He's not doing this out of a sense of justice. He's not doing it to save the city from these bad guys. He is, in fact, doing it for revenge. Right. He's taking, they took his life away. He's doing it entirely for revenge, yeah. But since these are all truly awful people, you're okay. Sure. Well, that's the thing. Like, we can root them on because we can satis- be satisfied knowing that, in you know, in our sense, justice is served. But in his case, no, it's entirely revenge. The justice is incidental. Which is something they tried to um, move more in the two sequels to try to give him more of a sense of justice. You know, We'll try to make him more of a straightforward superhero, yeah. Right. Okay, so after the big climactic battle, we don't get our traditional happy ending because while Julie is willing to take him back and saying, you know, we can we can rebuild your life and and still be together, he realizes he's too damaged, both physically and mentally. And that as far as he's concerned, Dr. Peyton Westlake is dead and he runs off. And she goes chasing after him, but he puts on one final mask and disappears into the crowd, you know, with the voiceover saying, you know, I'm everywhere. I am nowhere. I am everyone. I am no one. I am Doc Man. And, you know, we get a little, you know, bit of, a, of an in-joke where the final disguise is Bruce Campbell playing the <laughs> final identity of the Doc Man as he disappears into the crowd. And what's really great about this is that when the sequels came out in 95, you know, Darkman was recast as by as Arnold Vosloo, who, of course, most people know as he played the mummy, you know, battling Brendan Fraser in the first two mummy, mummy movies, as well as numerous other credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the whole concept of Dark Man means they can easily recast. Exactly, it's inherently recastable. Yeah, it's right there as to why does this guy look completely different from the other guy? Well, because he's Dark Man, and he's got a different, you know, face on. So I, I don't think that was planned from the beginning, but it works out really well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as he's concerned, Peyton is dead. So why bother with that face anymore anyway? Or persona or whatever, you know? Although he still does use the name in the sequel. Oh, does it? Well, I guess it's less confusing, though. But um, the sequels are fun. They don't have that. They're they're both directed by Bradford May. I was going to say, they're not directed by Sam Raimi for one. No. So there's there's that inherent difference. He's still a producer. And, you know, but they just don't, because, as we said, Sam Raimi just has this frenetic style. Right. Yeah. Sam Raimi's got a very distinct style that it's hard to, it's hard to follow up. You know, Um, he knows when to use it and when not to use it. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're still fun. And if you enjoy Doc Man, I think you'll enjoy both the sequels. Um, Larry Drake comes back to re- return as Durant. And I guess originally, because 
Darkman 2 is the return of Durant, and Darkman 3 is Die, Darkman, Die. But I guess, once again, it was the, the concept was they filmed them both back-to-back, and originally the return of Durant was supposed to be the third movie. And yeah. I think that would have worked better because they do a lot of callbacks to the first movie when Larry, uh, when, when Durant returns. And it just makes the second movie seem repetitive as opposed to being taking an homage to, to what they did in the first movie. It makes gotcha. it feel like they're just retreading it. Whereas oh. if a movie had been between them, you might have got the better sense that, oh, it's a callback. Right. Like if Die, Doc, Man, Die was the third, at the very least, it could have been, okay, well, they gave us some fan service and made it more like the original. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I kind of think it was a mistake, but I, I'm sure they would thought like, well, you know, Larry Drake is a name and, you know, it, it's I, yeah. to get people to pick up that, that second movie. I was going to say, like, I wonder if it had more to do, as much to do with connecting Durant back immediately so you would get those folks back. Who knows? In hindsight, I feel it was a bit of, mis- of a mistake. No, I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. The movie isn't over the top. Well, it's pretty violent when they're beating the crap out of him in his laboratory and setting him on fire and dunking his head oh, yeah. I mean, chemicals. And... The more or less origin is actually quite brutal, but um, it's, especially for Sam Raimi, not that bad. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty. And it is kind of gooey and gory as you're constantly seeing the faces melt and yeah. uh, dark man without unmasked is is like I said even he's tough to see. He's yeah, it's um they keep him mostly under wraps through most of it, but the the makeup is suitable uh, uh, suitably suitably gruesome. But that's also what kind of helps with the believability of him putting on these masks because since most of the outer his most of his face and head is gone burned away he can kind of you know shape these masks better to fit over them and and you know you're not worried quite as much about like the cheekbone or yeah you know how the face and the chin because poor dark man most of that is gone yeah and that's kind of one of the things that um makes him similar to, as I mentioned before, like he's kind of a, a mix between the shadow, the spider and the Avenger. The Avenger part of his history was when his wife and daughter were murdered, the Avengers face froze and his skin and hair turned white. And he was never able to show any emotion on his face anymore. But, the shock also kind of somehow made his facial muscles not only frozen, but pliable so that he could reshape his face like clay and make oh. himself look like anybody. Oh. Uh, the, the, the spider aspect comes from his, his not only lust, but his, the spider was a pretty insane character. The Spider was a pretty violent and insane character. Uh, He definitely gets his edge from the Spider. 
And the shadow, well, you got the fedora and the overcoat that he kind of, I would say, gets from that. But it all, it all, you know, he created, especially, again, when you, you think almost all the time, like, all the good heroes and, you know, kind of superheroes have been done. Yes. Well, Sam Raimi proved there's at least, there was at least another concept out there that, you know, hadn't been picked yet. And he made it reasonably grounded. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know much about physiology, but Jenny Agutter's, you know, little it's... exposition about how, and like I said, if you're going to have somebody do exposition in your movie, hire a British person to give it. It just sounds better. It really does. Yeah, it really does help. Uh, it really does help. I mean, basically, the explanations plus the flying beakers and test tubes back and forth during the montage are good enough for a quote-unquote comic book movie. You know, in my in my opinion, yeah, uh, uh, you know, quotes comic book movie. Like it works. It's it's good enough. It's just and, believable enough to work for me. The villain's, Rain, the villain's villainy is just believable enough to work for me. Now the damn memo. I mean, that's straight up just like, hey, we have to move this along. <laughs> So it, it is what it is, but it's fine. Again, I'm, 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 you know, it's one of those things where it's like you're just having fun. And Raimi himself has even said this is, you know, uh, partially an homage to all of Universal's classic horror movies. You know, in particular, like Jekyll and Hyde and, yeah. and uh, Phantom of the Opera. The, It feels that. Yeah, no, it definitely feels that way, too. Yeah. And oh, the soundtrack by Danny Elfman, who also scored Batman earlier. You really, I mean, it's it's almost a shame that they never could have done a Batman, Darkman team up. They would have fit well together, at least to an extent. I mean, I guess it all depends on. Um, well, like you said, then again, in the sequels, they um, they kind of toned them down a bit. So I mean, I, well, that also, like I said, not, I I mentioned how you know this is a few steps shy of being a horror movie dark man's just a few steps shy you know not even like maybe one step shy of being a batman villain oh yeah i mean oh, yeah yeah sam raimi might oh i doubt it but you know sam raimi could have created the next great batman villain in dark man oh definitely definitely because durant who's a fantastic villain in this um, especially at, you know, uh, well, spoilers, I guess, for a 30-something-year-old movie, but the, the scene, you know, when he's shooting along the buildings and stuff at, um, and then the highway at Darkman from the helicopter with the freaking grenade launcher, and he's just blasted away like he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't no. care what he's, what he's missing, what he's blowing up. He's just, he's trying to shoot a man with a grenade launcher, and he is so determined to do it. No, the, the, we, I think we really undersold the assault on, um, Dark Man's warehouse. Oh, really? Yeah, no. Between the chaos the is, is suitably great chaos. And it's it's chaos, fantastic chaos. Yeah. Like, there's just this great scene of Dark Man running across this catwalk as as bullets ricochet all around him, and then, as fantastic as that is, and then you know he sets the blue building to blow up to take out the last of the henchmen, and then he's dangling from a helicopter as the helicopter. Oh, you know, yeah. flies around the city trying slam to into know, buildings. slam them against traffic. And like you said, Durant's shooting down after him with a grenade launcher. It just, you know, it, it's it's really a thrilling sequence. It is something out of, you know, what, what I mean, I'm I a modern beyond, Batman or a modern, yeah. Yeah. 
it's you know like like I'm I'm thinking like the you know Christopher Nolan uh, ones maybe where the Batman is like you know the the tumbler and it's just ripping down the street and stuff exploding everywhere. I mean, it's it's hard to again put us to remember back when you know a superhero movies were not really a thing. No, nor very good if they if they were made. No, no, I uh, mean, at least know, not since like I guess Superman. Right. Well, yeah, you have the Superman, but again, even after you know Superman four, which was you know pretty much a disaster, right? right. That was it. And then you know uh, it was it was really you know Tim Burton's Batman that you know, and again, uh, it bothered me. I always hear people like trying to be down on Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, I'm really? Like, I thought that, that thing movie was, was like beloved. Huge, it put yeah. superhero movies back on the map for sure. You know, it's it's. You know, I'm, I'm sure not everybody liked it, but I mean, it catapulted us into a second wave of Batmania that hadn't been seen since the '66 TV show. Definitely, and um, uh, no, I mean that movie was massive. Like I remember it being uh, up at the theater for months and months, and um, generally being number one or at least top, say two or three in, in, in sales and for weeks. Everybody was trying to recapture that magic. Absolutely. You know, Marvel kept all of a sudden like, well, we're going to make a Captain America movie. Right. And, well, they yeah. kind of didn't. Well, they did make the Fantastic Four movie. Well, actually, technically they didn't because that never got right. really released. Yeah, it's a sad story. You know, the only one that really kind of got made and released and it still didn't get a theatrical release was the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. Punisher, yeah. You know, everything else was just kind of, you know, they just kind of snuck out. And, you know, they made, you know, Batman Returns, which was pretty successful. And that started to have diminishing returns until it reached, you know, the point of Batman and Robin, which is one of the most maligned superheroes. Reviled. Yeah. You know, um, Dark Man, of all the stuff that was coming out at that time, Dark Man was the only one that came even close. Absolutely. And it was an original creation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was finally this viewing uh, that, that I realized that it wasn't actually a comic book first. No, because it really does feel like a comic book movie. And the technique, again, it is. It just isn't based on the comic book. Now, um, we, we mentioned there was the two direct-to-video sequels. Marvel did an adaptation of the movie. And they came back with the six issue miniseries when, you know, the, the VHS rentals, you know, showed them that there was a, you know, they must have still had the rights. So, and I, there was also a series of novels that came out. But for whatever reason, I guess it just never really caught fire enough for you know anybody to really bother licensing it or going any further because i'm sure if if um two and three had brought in a ton of money on rentals we would have seen a four and five whether it starred arnold Vosloh or somebody else because again easy enough to recast a character who can change his look right but you know you never know if sam raimi himself revisits it somewhere some sometime well, the, the movie is now over 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And since I don't believe he did it as a script for hire, mm-hmm. I believe the rights should have reverted back to him by now. Yep. And I do believe Les, uh, 
not Leslie. Uh, Liam Neeson has uh, expressed interest in returning to the character. Oh, he has to do a le- le- oh, legacy sequel. Hell yeah! How do we make? Yeah, let's make that happen. Um, I still plan on if I can, because I, I was looking at the novels and they are pretty expensive on the secondhand market. Like uh, somebody was charging 15 bucks for what is called an acceptable copy. And yeah. Which means essentially readable, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. The book is not in good condition. It's an acceptable condition. So uh, I don't mind plucking down, you know, maybe a couple of bucks for an acceptable copy to read, but not 15. But, you know, it's something I'd be interested in reading because, you know, I've read. I haven't read a lot of old, but, you know, The Shadow, uh, Spider, all those books every now and then that, that somebody will do a revival and do a bunch of reprints. So I picked up and I read a, lo- a few of them and they are highly entertaining. I mean, some of the, I mean, people always complain about how comics and, and, and TV is violent today, but I'll tell you, nothing compares to some of those pulp pulp novels i mean the massacres that occurred in those things is just unbelievable they never get away with filming that today so if i i, I do i'm gonna have to start to, checking some of the stuff out oh uh, yeah i i can uh well you know what um you got anything else to say oh about uh, uh, Batman in particular no 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 it's just uh it's a excellent movie i should watch it more often it's been i'm not sure exactly how long since i've seen it but um this is one where like i knew i remembered it well it's a very memorable movie um as sam Raimi movies tend to be they're so very distinct and uh uh but watching it again maybe remember exactly how much i do love it and um i, I should put it in my rotation watch it a bit more shout factory has a really nice collector's edition blu-ray but honestly i would say if you're going to spend the money on the physical media Get yourself the Darkman trilogy because they they sell all three movies together in one pack. I think that's more bang for your buck then. And you know how I will will shill for Shelf Factory for nothing. This I would say no. Get yourself the the the, the trilogy instead. Do you know which version of the movie we were watching? Um, it was a Universal DVD. Universal DVD. Okay. Yeah, which is actually is the DVD trilogy that I'm uh, promoting right now. But you can get that on Blu-ray as well. Oh, okay, right on. Yeah, the DVD print looked really good. I'm all upscaled and stuff. All right. Well, then, um, recommendations based so, on uh, Darkman? Uh, all right. So, recommendations based on Darkman, or at least, yeah, based on the theme of Darkman. Um, Unbreakable? Uh, by M. Night Shyamalan, and I guess by extension, um, the, the the rest of that franchise, uh, uh, Unbreakable, um, Split, and uh, Glass, um, Punisher Warzone. Um, one of the reasons behind Punisher Warzone uh, being obviously a comic book adaptation, but it's, it, one, it's a really fun movie that I do thoroughly enjoy. 
um, but it's also one uh, a movie that's filmed and directed, being very mindful that it is ultimately a comic book, and it can have some it can have some fun in the scenes, um, and especially with the way the character was written um, for the arc that it was done for. Um, this director, is it Helen? Yep, female uh, director Alexandra Witt. I want to say Witt, no. uh, maybe because she, she's German. Alexandra something lexi alexandra oh what the heck is it? I, I, I think I, you're I, right i think it's lexi oh i gotta yeah <laughs> look that up. anyway it. um i should have yeah i should have paid attention to that anyway i wanted to point out who this uh um, um who she is because this movie is filmed in such a really cool way like it's filmed very much like a comic book where certain scenes are shot and lit uh in just such an just such an interesting way uh, that very much looked like a comic panel um, without like, you know, resorting to actual special effects necessarily to do it. Uh, oh, and on top of that being an excellent and uh, for me, and, and I believe uh, it's the same for you, Matt, like the, the best Punisher uh, adaptation. Yes. And it has the same wild energy that Darkman has. Yeah. And it is indeed directed by Lexi Alexander. Lexi Alexander. Okay. It's the one that stars Ray Stevenson. Yes, who plays an excellent Punisher. To me, it's the best iteration of Punisher. It's the best Punisher movie. It's the best. Um, it's the best off-page Punisher period. Yeah, I was going to recommend that one myself, but I will move on then to, you know, the very obvious uh, parallel of RoboCop. Um, you know, again, especially in like the villainy. Um, you know, uh, they, that, they that motivation, sh- you know, Robocop and Darkman share a lot of similarities until uh, to the point that even Robocop's a lot of his motivation is revenge against the people who, quote unquote, killed him. Right. And I'm also going to recommend the Maniac Cop trilogy, which <laughs> is right a horror movie. The Maniac Cop is a villain and it kind of shows you. It, 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 Maniac Cop is the villain version, or, or I should actually say, since Maniac Cop came out first, Darkman is the anti-hero heroic version of Maniac Cop. I got, I hear you. You know, they're, they're, the first two are directed by William Lustig, and again, they have that manic energy that you get out of uh, Darkman, especially Maniac Cop too, has this just crazy, crazy feel to it. So I recommend that. I'll have to watch those again. I, I don't remember the last time I saw either one of them. Um, probably before I saw... It, it, uh, probably not before I saw Darkman, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's going to be decades. So I, I don't remember them very well. well I, I know you're a fan, though, so um, we'll, have to, we'll have to set aside some time to watch those. Maniac Cop 3, which I think is unfairly maligned, has one of the craziest car chase scenes you will ever see because one of the people doing the chasing is fully engulfed in flames. It's wild. You you gotta see it. Oh, wow. All right. well, I guess now I'm watching three movies then. All right. so uh, what about random recommendations? Um, I'm gonna go with a random recommendation I'm gonna go with because it's staring me in the in in the face, and it, I don't know if it gets a great deal more random than um, the the nineteen sixty eight TV show, The Prisoner. Okay. Um, uh, something that I've got now, and um, uh, I'm gonna rewatch. 
I'm not sure exactly when, but soon enough, because uh, I want to see if it can penetrate this time um, as to what exactly is going on. Um, I flipped through them a little bit, uh, you know, through the um, episodes a little bit and, and just kind of took in some of the imagery and wow, was it colorful. So um, it's also surprising how well I remember some of the scenes because it's been a very long time since we watched it. But um, I look forward to I, I look forward to watching through that again. Like I, I remember liking it the, the time that we watched through it, at least as much of it as I could kind of grasp because it's, it is a, it's a trip. All right. Well, I guess my random recommendations really aren't all that random because I'm going to recommend tracking down some of the reprints of the old shadow novels, the old spider master of men novels and uh the avengers you can find them you can find them new and used um i believe there are still some publishers that reprint them in a magazine style format you know you look around amazon and three thrift books uh you can you can find the stuff and it's just you know it's amazingly entertaining there is i mean just to say like these people did not care about you know anything with some of what goes on it's just i mean crazy over the top violence you know character i mean again even before comic books had the whole kill off a character and just bring him back in the next issue apparently they were doing that in the old uh in the old pulps as well and you know you can go um listen to old broadcasts of the shadow radio show you know on most of their podcasts out there that rebroadcast those old shows so i'm recommending you know going back and listening to the old pulp heroes of the 1930s be it the avenger the shadow the green hornet or um the spider uh, as far as i can tell and i and i haven't read a whole ton but the spider is just one of those just crazy over the top violent fun reads that you can you can track down did you say there was a spider podcast as well i don't think he ever had a, a radio, radio show or show no oh, okay um I, i'm not sure whether i think the avenger might have uh the avengers also sometimes known as justice incorporated but I know the Shadow and um, the Green Hornet um, had radio shows. Okay. The Spider. Huh? The Spider, Master of Men. Master of Men. And they they've all had um, comic book versions done by various companies too, so you can find them in comic book form as well. Well, yeah, I gotta see if I can find um, images of some of that. Uh, are they as are, are they as off the rails in the comic, or? Well, the spider would actually wear like a domino mask and a fright wig and a fedora to go out, you know, and cut an, an intimidating, you know, scare to scare the villains. <laughs> All right, cool. In fact, there was an intra- instance, and I didn't read this. I read this in an article about the spider, but I guess there was an incident. One of the spider stories where a mob is trying to break into the police station and lynch some of these killers. Oh, jeez. So the spider goes in front of the mob, kills two of the mob leaders and says, leave the justice to me. 
And then he goes and kills the bad guy. So it's like, um, all right, so you don't kill people. I kill people. And I'm going to kill you to keep you from killing people so I can go kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Over the top stuff. Dang. That's that's hardcore. All right. Um, Anything else? Have you ever seen any of the um, movie serials? I've seen The Shadow. I've seen some of the old um, Green Hornet TV show from the 60s. Uh. Um, and then the only other person I can think of is Doc Savage, but he was a much more heroic figure. Okay. Um, so. Uh, anything else? No, that's all I got, man. Uh, do you uh, have a... Um... A uh, uh, Magnificent Seven connection here? Yes. So Liam Neeson appeared in The Deadpool, which is the fifth Dirty Harry movie, not the Marvel Comics character, uh, with, um, of course, Clint Eastwood. And, of course, Clint Eastwood was in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly with Eli Wallach, who was in The Magnificent Seven. I know. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the TV Movie Rewind podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Movie Matt Sororis, one word, M O V I E M A T T S I R O I S. You can find us on Instagram under that as well. And on Facebook under the Movie Asylum of the Weird, Bad, and Wonderful. And I would also like to take the opportunity to thank you all for listening. We've been doing this for just over two years now. Uh, Last week would have been our two-year anniversary. And uh, more people have listened to this podcast than I would have ever possibly imagined. And it just, I'm so thankful for that. Thank you, everyone, yes. Not only just for finding us and giving us that one single listen and but, you know, for those of us, those of you that return each and every week, and even if you haven't listened to all of them, you, you know, you pick and choose. That's fine, because really, we've designed this podcast that you kind of have to see the movie to understand what we talk about. So if you for haven't sure. seen the movie, and I hopefully you would see, see that we've done a movie and say, maybe I will check out this movie and listen to the podcast later, because I, I think that's a great thing, because we only talk about these movies because we love them. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally we'll, we'll kind of, you know. Sometimes our memory ain't so good. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's, it's usually, you know, it's still kind of an affectionate, you know, ribbing. Because we love movies. We talked about movies all the time. That's how I knew it's like, we can do this podcast. It's just me and you babbling back and forth. We, we, we just record it. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone. Stay gold, people.